Welcome to the Pitch Vision Academy Cricket Show, your guide to better cricket, whoever you are, wherever you are, batsman, bowler, fielder, coach, or anything else. We want to help you out for a little while. And who are we? Well, my name's David Hinchliffe. I look after things. And helping me to help you are two very fine cricket coaches. The first is the director of cricket at Millfield School. It's Mark Garraway. Hello, Garrett. How are you? Oh, very good, actually. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, just looking at all of the renovations that are going on on the square at the moment. Taking off heaps of topsoil. There's lots of big, like, huge tractors and industrial equipment out there. It's very, very clever, all of it. Oh yeah, the the work and the, the work that ground staff do is uh, is fantastic. Oh, so, that is, know, it is amazing, and and you know to think that I used to think it was rolling grass and sort of like you know sticking some lines on it and that'll be fine. That the science that goes into it is bonkers. It's crazy. Oh yeah, exactly. So uh, whenever you can give your ground staff credit, make sure you do it. Absolutely. Secondly, it's the Head of Cricket Performance at Portsmouth Grammar School. It's Sam Lavery. Hello, Lavers. How are you? Very well, thanks, David. No uh, no uh, scarifying or, or big machinery around here at the moment, but um, all quite quiet and going nicely so far this uh, this year. Yeah, no germination. Well, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> we were talking about this the other day. I, I don't know what germination means, but if you say it, it sounds like you do. You sound, you sound like you know what you're talking about, yeah. <laughs> so just drop that in there. <laughs> Let's get back to cricket, talking about cricket, because that's, that's, that's where we do know a couple of things, at least. And I wanted to talk this week about um, negativity, I suppose, is one way of putting it. Um, we, we've all experienced those people and those groups who are the naysayers, uh, the ones who perhaps are a little bit harder to inspire than others, the people who say things like, oh, this will never work, or I don't see the point in that. Um, it, it's a difficult thing to deal with, especially if you're somebody who's trying to introduce new things. So in, in coaching terms, how do you deal with people who, are, who have a, a mindset where they're perhaps they're, they're, they're closed off to newer ideas or, or they, they can't see the benefit in them? Well, I, I think you're always going to have them. I mean, there's, <laughs> you're going to have people like that because people are, are different. And in some ways, they can, they can be good in terms of uh, sort of being realistic at times as well because we all come in with these harebrained ideas and we want to put a stamp of authority on stuff. And it normally happens right at the outset of somebody's tenure as a coach or as a captain. You've got to say something. You've got to make a statement of intent, I suppose. And, and often the people who are within that room have been there under previous leaders, some of which might have had a fantastic experience under that other leader some of which might have had a, a terrible experience under that leader and therefore be a bit sceptical of new ideas um, you know watching the football world and the ever-changing merry-go-round of, of managers is quite interesting because obviously they all come in with their different perspectives and no doubt in those change rooms just as in cricket you will have people that will be there saying that will never work uh, seemingly irrespective of whether it's a good idea or not or what the idea is um, so what, what do you do well I think the first thing you do is you accept that as a coach and certainly I do this more and more is accept that not everybody is going to be on side with you all of the time um, and I think that's a pretty good position to be in it's not a negative position it's probably a reality because uh, any cricket coach that I speak about if I'm in a, a room of people that have all had coaching from that person you will have some people that have had a good time with them and some people that have, uh, would have a bad time in it and, and it's a thankless task really trying to please everybody everybody uh, 
Um, so first thing I do is, is say you're going to get these ones, these people. But also, I think you need to be ready with your with your challenging questions, your your questions of okay, so I, I hear the problem. So what are the potential solutions to that? You know, what has been tried before? Um, do you agree that this is a this is a challenge for us that we need to try and find a way around? Um, because often they'll they'll say yes, there is a problem, um, but that option will never work. Well, you know, well what option do you think will work? And uh, I'd put the boot back on the other foot a little bit, to be brutally honest, and I'd get them to answer their own questions a little bit or their own negativity, because often, um, often there will be something within. They're just not very good at getting that out. So you know what I see all the time: people going, "That will never work. That will never work." And go, well, "Great, but you know, so what will work?" Would be my first question going going back, and then you get their perspective, and it might be something that was tried years ago that worked a little bit, or it might be something that's never been tried before. But um, it'd be worth getting their view and making them feel part of it, rather than just being that bloke that says no chance. It is a tricky one, isn't it, Labors? Because you know you want to keep a conversation open, and you want to say to people. This is what I think, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm right, but let's let's find out. And then if you're met by a wall, that's very difficult to, it's very difficult to do anything with. So op- opening someone up to a discussion and getting people to be able to talk it through is a really important part of coaching, isn't it? And sort of presenting that problem as something that needs to be solved rather than uh, I've got all the answers and let's just get going whether you like it or not. I think I think that's true. I think it's how you approach it in the first instance, and at what stage you want to include something, so other people in the discussion. So, some coaches will like to present something, and say this is what we're going to do, and that's where obviously you said you're going to get a little bit of friction potentially. And some people might present the problem a little bit earlier. And if you can do that, and it depends on how much, how how willing you are to open up to the. To, to the answer and how flexible you are with what kind of approach they want to take so if you've got something you really believe in um, then ultimately you might have to guide them towards the answer a little bit and you might have to do a little bit of a little bit of pulling along the way to try and get them to come out with the same conclusion you have as, as to how this is going to end up and uh, rather than imposing on them as you said you're going to drop little bits of information in there which kind of allow them to come to the conclusion that that's something that needs to happen or needs or you need to do. Whereas other things where you do have a bit more flexibility and you, and you actually you don't really have a, a set idea on how you want things to happen, maybe you can you can not even throw your ideas out there and you can say, right, if you, you come to me with what you can offer and, and see as a group or individuals if they've got any thoughts on how something can be done differently or how it can be done better, you can then throw them in with the ideas you've got as well. So I guess dealing with that obstacle is is pretty difficult but if you can take a step back prior to that can you try and uh, preempt that coming along and preempt that wall and try and uh, structure the conversation or structure the process in such a way that you don't hit that wall in conversation you don't hit that um, defiant attitude from a player or a coach whoever it might be and and, and actually you're um, you're having still quite a very open open um, conversation or open thought process about whatever the subject is that you're uh, that you're uh, trying to address do you think it makes a difference when it's the something that's a problem that's actually causing a problem and some way where you're trying to sort of optimize something which is already okay 
Uh, probably does. People don't like being told they're not good at things, do they, a lot of the time? And people don't like being told they're doing things wrong. So, um, And I think we've all been there at some stage when you get into a, a mindset that this, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm being attacked and, and everyone's been felt that at some stage in their life, I'm sure. And maybe one of the things that you could do with discussing or educating the, a group as a whole is that remember why you're here. You're here to get better, you're here to improve, you're here to be as good as you can be. If we can point out things that aren't quite right, that's the first stage to us, uh, towards, first step towards us finding a solution as, how, as to how you can be better. Now, if you have that conversation at the moment when you're trying to discuss something that's going wrong, it's maybe too late and they're already into chimp mode, aren't they? And they're already thinking, I'm putting up walls and I don't want to talk about it. But if that's something that's an ongoing theme of remember, if we're pointing out mistakes, we're taking the first step towards improvement, then they're very, very aware of it and they're hopefully a little bit more comfortable with it when you do approach something that isn't quite right and, and needs a bit of work. So... Um, I guess separating those two conversations. So one of them is an over, over uh, overriding theme of of awareness of what mistakes and uh, and discussion are, and the other the other would just be right now we found something. I found an opportunity for you, and again how you phrase it and how you create that kind of uh, relationship and that partnership when it comes to addressing a problem is going to be what dictates what kind of response and what feeling you get from the person that you're working with. Let's answer some questions now, questions that have been sent into the show by listeners or perhaps by readers to the Pitch Vision website. And how this works is we answer a couple of questions and then uh, we choose the best question of the week that wins a prize of an online coaching course from Pitch Vision Academy at pitchvision.com. And uh, if you want to send your questions into us for future shows, you can do that by emailing coach at pitchvision.com and we've got some other ways you can get in touch with us towards the end of the show. The first person who's done that this week is Robin. And Robin says, Hi, in a five-hour batting session, how can I use them? Open nets or nets? Uh, I'm guessing maybe sort of uh, middle practice or nets, I suppose, that it would be my guess on that one. Can you give any schedules for a batsman? So five hours, that's an epic uh, net session. It is, it is. You'd you'd have to have a good lunch, (laughs) I should imagine. Um, the challenge with both of those two options that you've given us is, isn't necessarily you. The challenge is having enough people to deliver enough balls at you in that in that time frame. And in some parts of the world, that is fairly, you know, consistent practice stuff. So if you go to India, there there can be uh, net bowlers around for for five hours or middle practice bowlers for five hours. But in most environments around the world, and, and with many people that listen to this podcast, they wouldn't have the luxury of a five hours to practice their batting in any given session, and, and b there wouldn't be enough bowlers around to be able to um, put balls continually down in order to uh, you know to have a five hour batting session. So. Um, I suppose the answer is the more close you can get to middle practice, the better. But a lot of the best players in the world who often have access to lots of lots of bowlers will create a middle practice within a net session. And I think when it comes to people like Dravid and, and Sangakkara, 
Kamara are two guys that I've viewed practice, not necessarily worked with, but viewed practice. Um, and whenever they've spoken in a public in environment about how they went about their net sessions, they would often be creating their own scenarios around them rather than anybody waiting to tell them uh, what to do or in fact setting up a middle practice for their for their own um, their own development. So that'd be the, the first thing I'd say. But for most people around the world, if you do have five hours of batting, you're probably not going to have five hours of um, bowlers to service your, your batting needs. And then I would give you an example of somebody like Hashim Amla. So Hashim Amla would face a golf ball with batting with a stump with somebody throwing at him for 30 minutes before he'd then go in and do some drills, um, hitting some uh, bobble feeds, some underarm feeds, getting somebody to feed up from the ground up and so he can practice his back foot drive, um, getting people to do some fairly what we would call basic practice, baby practice I suppose, um, servicing his shots before then the net would become available. Then he would have a net for a normal period of time just like everybody else and then he'd probably go back and do a little bit more um, of that uh, golf ball drill against um, against somebody throwing at him in a big open environment on a concrete surface. Um, so that's the way that he would formulate his practice. Again, I wouldn't necessarily think he would practice for five hours in length, but it, certainly he would be one of the longer practices that I've seen over the years. And, and that was part of his routine. So firstly, look at how many bowlers you've got around you because that's going to influence. And secondly, if you haven't got somebody or people that can bowl for five hours straight at you, then do something like hashing and just break it down into segments um, so you're getting that volume in that you're obviously craving for. If, if you had that option, Labors, would you would you advise people to take it or would you maybe maybe rein it in a little bit? Because, I mean, that five hours is a very long time, you know. Uh, obviously, if you're batting in test matches, you're going to, in total, you're going to bat, you know, you do well, you're going to bat for five hours maybe sometimes. But um, most people are not going to bat for five hours. Yes. Even if they're, they're playing two-day cricket. It's not going to happen very often, is it? And, it? and it might be that from time to time you, you try and challenge yourself from that mental point of view and also physically, I suppose, to to bat for the full duration. And maybe you do want to chop up that what whole five-hour period into uh, sessions, drinks, breaks, etc. Um, and once in a while... You, you do do that, but I, I think realistically you're probably going to find more benefit to more areas of your game if you do chop it up into little sections and and um, identify five or six wins you can get in that in that um, in that five hour period. So five or six different ways that you might be able to progress and add something to your game or or um, improve something you've not been not doing so quite doing quite so well or really establish something that you're very happy with. Um, and, and every now and then you might really try and drag it out and, and, and bat along and, and, and have that, that full thing. But, but generally, it's not going to be the method I would take. Um, and, and, and also, additionally, pro- part of that is probably because I've not put myself in an environment where we can have a five-hour batting session for, for someone. So if I, was, if I was in that more often, maybe I'd push it a little bit more or maybe I'd be a bit more creative about how I, how I would do it and have a bit more kind of background to it. But... Given the the kind of upbringing I've had and the my experience of playing and coaching, it, it more more seems more sensible to me, and I would I would probably feel like I had more to offer if we if we were chopping that session up. I think as well if if you got if you're having five hours at the nets, then maybe do a little bit of fielding in there as well. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got five hours, you can probably squeeze a little bit in somewhere. But it will definitely be helpful to you. 
You would have thought so. Get yourself in at first slip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stick in there. <laughs> if you're batting for five hours every time, you don't want to do too much running around. But um, yeah, definitely. Again, that's breaking up. Is there'd be loads of stuff you could do. You could move away from the banks. You could, you could get a load of fitness work. You could get done. You could get some fielding work done. You could get some um, team strategy stuff done if you're with the other guys you're playing with. There's there's a load of things you could do that would um, take you away from that long duration batting. But but I'm sure there's a place for it. And and everyone works differently and some people get different rewards out of different drills don't they so it might be that for you you find that longer duration is really really uh, um, valuable to, to how you prepare next questions from uh, simply a I'm sure that's not their real name but that's all we've got for them and a has a has a classic problem I suppose a says I can't play the straight drive properly please can you solve this problem so I guess I guess we have to broaden this out because we don't know anything. But, but what are sort of the common problems that you see around guys who have trouble driving straight? Well, I suppose one of the first things is is people's balance and stability at, at ball contact um, often limits people to be able to hit the ball straight down the ground. Uh, uh, balance and stability are, are crucial because without those. Um, obviously your movement into strike is compromised and also often the, the downswing is compromised and it has to work around the body rather than coming in, in a nice straight line through the ball and then back past the stumps at the other end. So uh, balance and stability I think are, are the two uh, most crucial things and then the, the last thing being the alignment of a bat, the bat face going through the ball which means from top of back swing down through the ball you've got to have access to, to that incoming straight ball to be able to hit it back from where it came from really so um, those those are the two biggest challenges I see and I suppose balance often uh, it doesn't just come um, or some people being off balance doesn't just originate at the source of contact it, it comes beforehand as well um, and, and often it's a setup uh, that doesn't allow people to start in a balanced position and then move into one as well so um, you know if you're unable to access the ball straight down the ground then have a look at your initial setup have a look at, at how that balance feels and, and maybe get somebody to uh, video you to see how the look of your balance and your setup uh, you know sort of work works against your um, feel because sometimes those two things can can be off so have a look at your, your setup and then have a look at the way that you move but ultimately if we're balanced and we're stable at ball strike then we give ourselves a really good chance of accessing a number of areas around a cricket field not just down the ground that's the classic isn't it ladies you know someone is um, you know um, falling over you call it or, or playing around their front pad or something like that it, it, you you're you are literally getting your body in the way of being able to swing the bat in a straight line so that's the classic one um do you, i guess if you want to look more advanced as well you see people who perhaps try and drive too straight sometimes when the situation might dictate you don't want to hit it exactly straight down the ground depending on the type of bowler you've got yeah, there's been. I mean, there's been a bit, a bit of talk about um, about Wesley over the last couple of weeks. He obviously likes to work over, not everything. He work, likes to work a lot of balls um, from the stumps into the leg side, and he's been very proficient. And he's done it extremely well in um, in county cricket over the last five or six years, and scored a hell of a lot of runs. And um, some people have praised him for the changes that they've seen him trying to make, and other people are saying, "Look, play the game that you play to get to the top." But um, he's been notably trying to hit the ball a bit straighter in some of the drills that he's done 
within the matches, it's sort of pre-match warm-ups and that kind of thing, try and hit the ball a bit straighter. And sometimes you might find yourself, as you say, you get that ball that's um, a little bit wide and you and you try and hit it too straight. And actually, that's something that happened in the first game or second game he played, um, which he did. And it, I think it was the second of the first game. And after working across one, he then made a conscious effort to try and hit back down the ground. But the ball was probably fourth stump and it wasn't quite there and as a result played a missed and, but he adapted really nicely and learnt from that and I don't know if it was a discussion with the person at the other end or he's thinking in his own head and doing it but went with the ball and played with the shot a little bit so rather than um, trying to hit a ball from fourth stump back down the ground he, he put it between extra cover and mid off and played the, the ball where it should have gone and I guess when people are fighting with those kind of movements and they have a very um, familiar way of putting a certain ball in a certain direction um, it can get a little confusing when you try and unravel that and you say, right, I want to do this bit in this direction and, and another bit in another direction, but you, you, you've already got something that's maybe slightly unorthodox. So um, going from an unorthodox method, if you've got it, and, and then trying to, to be very orthodox again can be a little bit tricky and it takes a little bit of time to get used to, but but certainly playing with the swing is, is, is the kind of phrase that was talked about there um, and taking a ball that... Um, on off on off stump full stump a little a little bit further wide would, would would be a little bit more effective. Yeah, with the swing, with the spin, and into the spin. That's one that you've uh, talked about before, isn't it, Gareth? Hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and, and similar things as well. But you've got to be, you know, you've got to be balanced when you when you're yeah. doing all of those things, really. Um, uh, or at least it's optimal to be balanced, and then you're taking less. Uh, a reliance on your hand-eye coordination to get you out a problem, really. So, um, Duncan Fletcher famously said once, that if you remove movements from any given action, then you you uh, reduce uh, error content. And and what he means by that isn't that you just stand still and hit. Uh, he means that you've done your movement before you then come into making contact with the ball, and that can be the same with catching as well. That you know the the, the likelihood of you dropping a catch is going to be so much less if you can move into a position position steady yourself and then catch it it's exactly the same uh, as as when you when you hit as well and so it doesn't matter whether you're hitting into the spin uh, or or whether you're hitting with the spin but there is a difference to go on a slight tangent between hitting against the spin so hitting against the spin would be backing away to an off spinner and trying to cut it off with middle and leg because you're playing a, a cross batted shot against the line of the incoming ball whereas if you move back um, to a a back of a length ball off spinner that's spinning into middle and leg back into leg stump and then hit with a straight bat aiming to hit between mid off and the extra cover then you are in fact hitting back into the spin so there's an, an example of how against it could be perceived as that is that cut shot backing away way outside uh, leg stump to hit that incoming ball and often if we go back to the balance thing often your weight is moving away from the contact area at the time rather than the the back foot drive where you're trying to hit back into the offside with a straight bad shot where often your stability is is um, established prior to that ball hitting, hitting the bat. I think, you know, if you can get stable and you can be balanced, then that is the best way to go about uh, striking any ball uh, in any, you know, whether it's a straight drive, as the question says, or whether it's hitting with a spin or uh, into the spin. It doesn't really matter, but stability is crucial. 
Yeah, it's not it's not um, a coincidence that you know Gary Palmer has this ABC of batting, and um, you know the the A is for alignment and the B is for balance. So <laughs> yeah, I know. mean you know solid solid fundamentals that and yeah. And, yeah. and whilst whilst balance can be uh, a, st- uh, a grounded thing and it can be a dynamic thing, and you know and when I talk about dynamic balance within within cricket, the best example and the most visual example for me that often comes up into people's heads. Is, is Kevin Peterson playing his flamingo shot, you know, and, and he is dynamically balanced at point of contact, i.e. he's got a, uh, something going out the, the back, which is his, his right leg is flicking out the back, and at the same time he's got something going forward, and what those two bits of motion do mean that the middle point is absolutely centrally balanced, and it might be on one leg rather than two, but uh, at that point of contact he's centrally balanced, so I'm, I'm a huge uh, believer in those fundamental that Gary harks on about but but within that balance is often assumed to be two feet on the ground weight sitting absolutely in between that base uh, and and in some occasions that isn't the case if you have a look at if you have a look at somebody bowling from a sideways on from a spin bowler for example often their right leg is a right arm off spinner is up in the air but actually their center of their weight is absolutely over the top of their their uh, base of support which happens to be their left foot um, you know, so balance can look different, but ultimately, uh, at that point of contact release or, or whatever the case may be, um, you've got the centre of your body over the top of whatever your base of support is at that given point. Which is why, when you're playing against the spin in that cut shot example, often your your uh, centre of your mass is moving back towards square leg as your back foot, your base of support is is somewhere around leg stump, and obviously that isn't not a balance. That's an stable uh, position and that is all we've got time for on the show this week uh, before we leave there is just one more thing we need to do and that is decide on the winner of this week's competition which is the online coaching course from Pitch Vision Academy at pitchvision.com and the two questions were Robin's uh, query about a five hour batting session and A's question about playing the straight drive which one did you prefer this week Garris? I quite like the straight drive one actually um, and the uh, the concise nature of the name as well being somebody who does enjoy a good name and this is a good name at the <laughs> other end of the spectrum I would suggest so yeah a you've won uh, if we can find out the second letter of your name at some stage that would be useful that'd be amazing yeah well, well we'll we'll work on that we'll try and get in touch with them and find out uh, what's happening there so uh, yeah well done to you a now Gareth if someone was listening to the show and wanted to send in their question get it answered and have their chance to win the prize how could they reach out to us they could give us a call on 0203 239 7543 or drop us an email on coach at pitchvision.com. That's correct. As I promised earlier, there are other ways to get in touch with us. You can uh, do that through pitchvision.com, of course. Use the messaging system there. We're Pitchvision Academy on there. We're on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash pitchvisionacademy and uh, Twitter at pitchvisionacad. If you want to listen to this show every week, you can do that by subscribing. That's free. Just go to your favourite podcast app, do a search for Pitch Vision Academy, tap on subscribe, and that's that done. That'll come out every Friday, and that's free. And if you want to get the show from our website, download it from our website, stream it from our website, get old shows, get old show notes, all that stuff, you can do that by going to pitchvision.com slash academy and clicking on the podcast link. That's all for this week. Yeah, We hope you listen next week. But until then, have a good week. Cheers, Garris. Cheers, Lavis. 
Cheers, fellas. Cheers, guys.